Welcome to Switcheroo, a dirty little podcast about religion, sex, and all the in-between parts. With your hosts, Maggie Baxter, an atheist turned evangelical, and Nick Vu, an evangelical turned atheist. If you catch yourself saying something you don't want to, you can either stop yourself in the moment and be like, hold up, take that part out, or you could tell us later, like if... You are laying in bed and like, fuck, I regret saying that so hard. Okay. I regret saying I murdered that person. Yeah. Any confessions you make yeah. are going okay. live. This is, is this a mandatory reporting space? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're under oath. Yes. While you're here. Okay. Deal. Anything else, Maggie? What's the, what's the Hippocratic Oath? I've got the Hippocratic Oath. So first, do no harm. That's part of it. Yeah. Is that the whole thing? I think so. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'm not a bad oath. I'm not a doctor. Robots cannot be made in the image of man. Right. I was sitting in the backyard sipping on a minty drink. I saw a girl standing there. She was mowing the lawn. I said, Has the zinc? Who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl. What's she doing? Let's just have fun and kick it. And if we get some info out of it also, then that's cool. I think just like having a good time is probably first and foremost. Yeah. Okay. You ready to have a good time? I think I'm ready to have a good time. We're going to take you around the block. Sure. Yeah. Tonight's going to be a good, good night. (laughs) Okay. I don't have any notes or any plans, so... (laughs) Uh, hopefully it goes You're up well. for anything. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Everybody take your clothes off. <laughs> you have to call si- your... You have to say Simon says. <laughs> <laughs> call your husband. <laughs> I'm about to enter an orgy. Husband. Did you say oath or orgy? I think... I, both. Oh, I'm about to enter it's an, an oath. oath orgy. <laughs> I think Mike would have a harder time with me seeing you naked than me being at an orgy. <laughs> oh, wow. Is he threatened by my presence no, in your just, life? I think he would be worried about how our dynamic would change and how that would yeah. affect our friendship. Right. Yeah. They're not burners. If you can. <laughs> We're not. Burners like to be naked in front of each other. Always. It's weird to be the most conservative person in a room because mm-hmm. I'm typically the least oh, yeah, conservative person true. in a room. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Maggie. Hey, hey Maggie. Hey, Nick. And hey, hey Dwayne. Hey, hey Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah, you might have thought we were talking about our hypothetical soundboard guy, but Jarek. no, this is a real human. Yeah, I'm a real human. I'm here. You're a real human. I'm Dwayne. Jarek's hey. here too. No. In the back, God. back room. We're going to rehash this every single time, huh, Maggie? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> no new gags. Only, uh, only old, gags. only repeated this far, gags. This far into the kind podcast, like we got all... Uh, movies in Dwayne, Hollywood. Have, have you met Jarek, our producer, yeah. yet? <laughs> of course, I met Jarek. Okay, good. Oh, we also have another guest oh, who yeah. is Beans, Beans, the dog, Bernadette, who is the love of my life, and her nickname is Beans. She's Jeez. a King Charles Spaniel. And probably the most adorable thing She's I've really ever seen cute. in my life. She's got resting sad face. Dwayne, how oh. do you like Beans? <laughs> Beans is great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool, Dwayne. 
Yeah, I don't know. Usually we shoot the shit for a, at least a little bit before we start talking about things. Uh, you guys want to know about my commute over here? Is yeah. it We're not in my basement this time. Yeah, that's right. We're in West Seattle. Yeah. At my, my pad. Nick's beautifully manicured front yard is, gets to see on the walk in. Yeah, it's really lovely. It's really quite Thank lovely. You. Your home is Thank lovely. You. I am working on it. And I got to drive along Alki for the first time in probably... 15 years mm. today because yeah. I had to go check on a different house before I came here mm. and it was so beautiful because you have like eight houses around the so city I have so many houses <laughs> I have so many houses good for you you're had, getting it I had to go check on my my beachfront property <laughs> that's what capitalism's for that is, that's the reason that's the reason I went into for all your America houses yeah. so that I can yeah, you're living the American dream right now so I just want to be able to have an entire series of the show cribs that's only my cribs oh yeah oh that's all your different good cribs goal. Yeah. I know somebody else with that goal I think Maggie's cribs yeah they were gonna use a different name oh not cause their name isn't Maggie their name isn't Maggie Ugh. unfortunately is their name yeah. Dwayne Maybe. <laughs> How many houses do you have in this neighborhood? In this neighborhood? Yeah. Just one. Okay. This one. Oh, this is yours? Yeah, this is <laughs> I'm renting from, from yeah, Dwayne. He's yeah. my landlord. It's. I mean, I don't make you pay rent. It's just mine. Oh, right, which is right. so kind and generous yeah. of you. Everyone, you know. welcome to the program, Dwayne, Nick's landlord. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, well, I welcome myself. Dwayne is a longtime friend. We've probably known each other... Ten years. Probably, yeah, pushing a decade. Yeah. Nice, uh, I think. Do you remember where we met? Do I remember where we met? Um, Was there a meet-cute? A what? A meet-cute, like... Is that like a meat locker? No, a meet-cute is like the the like serendipitous occasion that brought you two together like you bumped your head on the top of like a, a cute table. meeting yes it's called a meet cute a meet yeah. cute have you heard this no i've never heard that oh, I, I wasn't even uh, thinking it was spelled with an a do you ever you watch romantic comedies no. there's always a meet cute you know like someone crawls under but they a don't table call it that get, yes they do it's a it's a like hollywood term not in the movie no, they don't say this is a meet-cute, except in, in the, the movie reviews. The Holiday, where they describe what a meet-cute is. Hmm. I think we probably okay. met around maybe Porch Times 2013. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that was a Burning Man camp we were in. It was called Porch Times. Mm -hmm. There was a, a great porch. name. Ooh, I love a porch. I love Yeah, and it was porch. all about that, like, just it's... hanging out on the porch and those vibes. It's porch vibes. Porch Times. Let's have some Porch Times, you guys. I Crack open that. a beer. Uh, there's would be rocking chairs nostalgia involved in that like even the name it mm -hmm. gives real vibes yeah i don't yeah. think i quite understood how good it was until quite a bit later uh, the, mm. the porch is really special i think really cracker really barrel special. tries to to True. catch those vibes yeah with the rocking chairs with the rocking chairs out yeah. front uh not that people are actually socializing yeah. out there i like the idea of if people are like what's porch times like we could just say oh yeah it's kind of like a cracker barrel <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to Cracker Barrel? It's just like that. <laughs> exactly Which like that. We have learned from previous episodes we are not allowed to besmirch Cracker Barrel. Because there are sponsors? No, because some one of our past guests will murder me or you. Oh, oh. name names. Who was it? Holly. Oh, wow. That's right. Yeah, she was like, don't you dare talk ill about Cracker Barrel. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's the first place I had okra. <gasps> was, was it fried it? Yeah, that's what or I was slimy? Ask. I don't remember. That is the other way. It's either fried or, or slimy. slimy. Well, pickled. Yeah. 
yeah oh pickled okra is a different thing yeah yeah Yeah. pickled okra is good yeah that's my that's maybe my favorite pickled veggie i just watched an episode of top chef where they were doing like okra in a stew but they literally only used the slime so that you like picked up a handful of slime and like used it as a sauce and you had to like curl it around the starch that you were eating that makes my stomach turn wow. yeah, it bit. did not look at appetizing but apparently it's like a very popular west african and cuisine you mm. pick it up by the hand yeah it's all handheld oh yeah interesting sounds kind of like natto from japan the slimy beans it's a little fermented bean which i actually love yeah but it's an acquired taste i mean i might like slimy soup if mm-hmm. i tried it do you ever do the slimy face masks uh that have slug slime on it i do not Apparently, it's supposed to do wonders for the complexion. Okay, well, I don't like wearing face masks. They always turn my face bright red afterward. Our next interview, we will have face masks for everyone, and we'll do the whole thing. Yes, and we'll do a review. Wow. That's really great for a podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right? yeah yeah it is a very visual medium podcast and then at the end we'll describe our skin and oh, how it feels yes. and we'll touch each other's faces can we be intimately. on molly while we're touching each other's oh yours is so soft. maggie jokes about drugs all the time but i've never done them yeah yeah but it's I've true. seen lots of videos. Yeah. <laughs> of people on Molly. People. Do, you, do you search for <laughs> on YouTube? <laughs> no, but I have seen lots of. Rolling um, hard on Molly. Of like television shows depicting what it's like to be on Molly. Mm-hmm. Do, do a depiction. Hey. Wow. Uh, oh, I feel oh, happy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel happy and good. I feel really connected to you both. Yeah, nailed it. What do you, what do you think, Dwayne? That word "connected." That's it. That's what that's what Molly's like in the movies. It's just, it's just, yeah. So fuck off, doubters. <laughs> I know what Molly's like. Is it simple as that? Yeah. Connected. So, yeah, drug experiences is yeah. a topic we've been on a little bit yeah. over the last few episodes, and. uh I think that's what we want to talk about largely today. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. But, I mean, to talk we can about, go anywhere. I'm excited to talk about drug experiences. I think it's quite an interesting topic. So, are you saying that you've done drugs before? Someone who is not me has definitely done drugs before. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody in the world yeah. who has yeah. existed. At least one person no, in the world who's existed. Someone has. who is not me is a common. internet language for being able to describe experiences on the internet without having any attachment to right like on i was looking up experiences what a dmt trip is like or something like that and like all the on all the forums like these old school forums on like everything about drugs yeah they'll often say swim so instead of instead of i at the beginning of a sentence you'll so they'll just say swim swim uh swim took 100 milligrams of mdma and could that be uh, upheld but but duane has the court of law to that that you didn't actually do it i mean i I don't know what can be upheld in a court of law it depends on how good your lawyers are and what gets admitted and what doesn't but it's certainly not going to hurt to not attach first person pronouns to explicit stories that have time and place attached but in this context i'm happy to talk about all sorts of experiences but Dwayne, who are you no i Dwayne has i've done a lot of drugs uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne, myself who is me has, Dwayne, has partaken in 
<laughs> loads. Loads. Buckets. Shit loads. Buckets, buckets full. full. Yeah, buckets full of drugs. Of drugs. But, but who are you first? Who am Outside I? Outside of drug experiences, who are you? How, did we talk about... Oh, yeah, you met at Burning Man. Yeah. When uh, did you go to your first Burning Man? I went to my first Burning Man in 2011, and I have been seven of the past, whatever, ten or so years. What was the first one called? Oh boy! Don't you? Don't they have a, yeah, a they have, theme like name a every theme year? Name, yeah. They do have themes. I forget um, what it was. But yeah, surfers. I don't know. Yeah, butthole surfer theme. <laughs> uh, you did make a couch that was motorized on wheels, mm-hmm. and there's like a remote control, and you would like we would sit on it, and Indeed. you would just like Drive control this long, like three or four person couch. Like long ways. That's incredible. Down yeah. the the dusty road. So you're also skilled at robotics. Something like that. I'm an artist. I'm a builder. I'm a doer. I uh, am a traveler. I'm a teacher. I'm a musician. I took my first psychedelics when I was 17, and I have pretty regularly indulged in drug experiences over the past 15 years since then for all sorts of different purposes and all sorts of different moments. Do you Uh, like delineate your life as like pre-psychedelics and post-psychedelics? Like, do you feel like you relate to the person that you were before? I definitely think that my psychedelic experiences opened up parts of myself and opened up understandings that I definitely didn't have before so Mm. i definitely would say that like particularly the first time i did mushrooms i think was a pretty eye-opening and life-changing experience for me i think it sort of set a a perspective of like oh there's all sorts of ways that people are living that i am not that interested in living and Mm. it sort of opened up a little bit more access to the idea that there's something beyond just going through day-to-day life as it immediately presents itself. Tell more about that. What was that first experience like, the mushrooms experience? So it was like four of us doing mushrooms. This on... is your 17. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I had turned 18 at that point. I was maybe, I was like 18 in a month or two, I think, maybe. Yeah, there was four of us that ate some mushrooms at maybe like 10 a.m. on a Saturday, and we walked down to the water. We lived by Lake Michigan at the time, and we sat down on a bench in the grass. I guess some of us sat down on the bench, and some of us sat down on the grass, and it was all of our first time doing any psychedelics. Maybe one of us had done mushrooms before. Initially, there was like a sort of anxiety of like I don't know do you feel anything I don't think I feel anything are we doing it right is this like how it's supposed to be that's how it always goes a lot more Uh, even when you've done it many times you're like is this working yeah and then someone said I think the grass is breathing (laughs) (laughs) and I looked and like at first I was like the grass is not breathing um, and then a couple of minutes later I was like oh no he's right the grass is breathing um, there is like an undulating that often happens but like an inhale exhale certainly a like sine wave sort of thing okay. I don't know I mean it sort of I guess felt like along the lines of if you're resting your head on someone's stomach and they're mm-hmm. breathing mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that you could necessarily call it an inhale exhale but certainly a like 
a rise and, and expanding fall. and receding sort of feeling and yeah and we spent the next five hours or so in that spot with that patch of grass and with that one tree and with that one bench and the whole like rest of the world sort of receded into like uh it didn't feel like there was anything other than this one moment that we were experiencing together Mm -hmm. and the premise of like we have class on monday and monday is two days from now like those concepts just didn't make sense or exist and i could see people because we were on a college campus i could see people like walking around and doing the normal things and it just felt baffling to me that they weren't just looking at the grass. The idea that anyone would do anything other than like, like, have you seen trees before? Have you like <laughs> ever wild. really <laughs> fucking looked at a tree? It's like, um, why are you walking like you're looking, past but you don't see it. Yeah. And I think like until that day, I had never really looked at a tree. And I don't think I had ever really looked at grass. And since that day, there's been this sort of like window open of regardless of what's happening or what it feels like is falling apart in life or what you're stressed about like the trees are fucking cool even when you're not on mushrooms and if you choose to Mm -hmm. like turn your attention towards the things that normally you might not turn your attention to except when induced by psychedelic states so i would say that in that sense taking psychedelics has definitely been a pretty life-changing experience in the sense that rather than just my attention flitting to whatever my like stress and socialization and cultural upbringing like whatever my instinctual flitting of my mind is it sort of gave me access to this whole animist and spiritual and aesthetic space that i think that i wasn't super aware of before it sounds like there's a few factors you're talking about like you have the visual amplification or whatever you want to call it and then like your attention sounds like it's shifting and maybe your mindset is shifting and maybe your context within the universe is also shifting. Would you say that sounds about right? Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. And I think that different drugs sort of highlight different elements of those. Like there's certainly drugs that have a lot more of the, like, this just feels like everything is visually shiny, but other than that, I feel totally normal. And there's others that are, like visually nothing's happening but i feel like extremely willing to talk about my deepest darkest secrets and so there's one of the things that has always been really interesting to me about drugs is the idea of being able to intentionally alter the like default way that your brain filters things and Hmm. the way that your brain sort of like stops you from going places you can and alter it in a way that you choose yeah, I mean, some both in a way that you choose and in a way that's a kind of inherently a dice roll. Mm. I think that there's, yeah, a degree of... It doesn't feel like totally within your control in the sense of... Like, I think the first time that I took mushrooms, everything went quite swimmingly. But the second time that I took mushrooms, I ended up calling 911. And the third time that I took mushrooms, I ended up sort of sitting with someone through a really dark and intense Mm. couple of hours and so i wouldn't necessarily say that it's like by choice and within control but 
certainly if you're able to control the like set and setting under which you're engaging, you can limit a lot of those risk factors and what happened with the emergency room why did you why did the second time go so badly is it just because it's a dice roll or because the set and setting was i don't know exactly what was what happened is that someone kind of like passed out and wasn't responding to Mm -hmm. and i don't know and that was just on mushrooms i don't know whether that was even particularly i don't have a clear memory of so yeah like I called 911. He woke up a little bit later. He was like, did you just call 911? I was like, yeah, there's paramedics on the way. And he was like, uh, I'm leaving. And he like grabbed his shit and left. <laughs> and we were at his place. And um, so we all left. And that was a, a bit of a ride. Is there a potential that there he was on different substances that he was like not interested in having discovered? Or I would be very surprised. I don't think that there was other drugs involved. Maybe that, I don't know. Sometimes people pass out. engage with um and i don't know like it might have been a dehydration thing it might have been a mushrooms thing Hmm. um it's not a thing that i have seen much or ever at all but yeah it was not fun not fun what keeps you coming back to these experiences when they can sometimes go sideways hmm that's a good question. It may be relevant to some of your own experience. I I haven't had personally a whole lot of like really negative experiences. Um, I've been like witness to other people having negative experiences, but that's happened when I haven't been doing drugs too. Um, there certainly hasn't mm-hmm. isn't like a uniqueness mm-hmm. of I'm only around hard shit when there's substances involved. So there's a number of things that I think. And I think it depends a little bit on which substance you're asking about for me to answer the question of, like, what keeps me coming back to them. With I mean, mushrooms. I'd also like to hear kind of how your your partaking has evolved, too. So it's like... Yeah, I mean... Are you mu- leaning more towards certain things these days? And Mushrooms is the drug that I find the most interesting, I think. And it's also one that I have barely touched in the past 10 years because I'm kind of scared. So that is one that like I feel like there's a lot to learn and grow from in that realm and also... Scared is a really interesting word that you chose. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You haven't come back to it in Uh 10 years because you are scared? Well, like what, what is the fear? Where's the, what, where does that materialize? I spent four or five hours with police on a pretty high dose of mushrooms when I was 20. Okay, that um, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and that was pretty traumatizing. And Were they aggressive? I mean, were they They aggressive? were aggressive, yeah. They were not friendly police. It was, yeah, it was a pretty, I don't know if it was like the most intense night of my life, but it was maybe probably the most intense, well, it's pretty up there. And heightened. By the yeah, amount of mushrooms I mean, they were on. Yeah, I actually, I kept comforting myself for most of those hours by, so there was a bunch of us that were camping and we all got cited for possession of marijuana and I kept comforting myself by saying, thank God I ate all the mushrooms. Because um, <laughs> uh, there had been a bunch of mushrooms floating around and I Isn't was, that what happened on Super Troopers? 
they were getting like pulled uh, yeah, over and so he just like oh, the schnozberries taste like yeah so I, I, the the other people that were around the cops and on mushrooms weren't sure whether there was a bag of mushrooms floating around that right. was about to get found and i could comfort myself by being way higher than i would like <laughs> but, but like, knowing that just that wasn't gonna get added to don't the make eye contact shut the fuck up uh, good job eating all the mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you have any good concept job. how much you ate I ate about three and a half grams. Holy shit. Uh, so usually like one gram-ish is a dose, maybe a lighter dose. To, yeah. But I mean, I mean, it depends on your own metabolism. And less it depends on your own metabolism and your purposes. And I think that when I say I'm scared, I don't think that I'm super scared of like a one gram dose of mushrooms. But so Terrence McKenna suggests five grams on an empty stomach as his like... That's what it means to take mushrooms if you're trying to impress. And that's is that the hero's dose that he talks about? Yeah. And (laughs) like that, it's a fucking you can really learn a lot about the nature of consciousness by taking a large dose of mushrooms. And it's also can be pretty unsettling in terms of like what you're going to be thinking about at two hours in. And it can be easy to get stuck in a loop and not know how to get yourself out of it. And the question of like who do you want to do that with and like what time of day do you want to do that and does the weather matter and does the location matter i i have found myself like i'm extremely picky about the conditions that are like nope not doing mushrooms like the the conditions aren't perfect i'm like not interested and so i'm not i feel pretty comfortable with a wide variety of drugs yeah and mushrooms are one that i'm like ooh not today over and over and over again yeah so um body's body has memory body has memory i gotta read that keeps the score book still yeah um but and it has told you that mushrooms have been traumatic <laughs> in the past yeah. that's a wild story uh, yeah it's yeah there's and also who's terrence Define that guy <laughs> terrence Define someone that guy nick do you want to say anything do you know uh yeah Terrence and he had a brother, some other McKenna, and they, I don't know if they're from the 70s-ish, but they were early in the discovery of Western mushrooms and did a lot of lectures and wrote uh, a handful of books uh, about trips, basically. Is that about cover? And has some like pretty insightful and eloquent ways to describe the universe. And I think he has... A lot of also like theories about how the world operates and works, which are certainly fun to hear at the very least. Yeah. And consider. Mm -hmm. I I think of Terrence McKenna as like, like academic white shamanist kind of character in terms of his like, I don't, white shaman is a little bit maybe too uh, aggressive in terms of, but like his, he's obsessed with drugs and he's extremely academic are the okay. two features of Terence McKenna and he okay. he has this like evolutionary theory the the difference between humans and apes is that the early branches of what turned into humans were the ones who figured out how to eat mushrooms um and the interesting on the other uh, so yeah the stoned ape theory is his evolutionary description of how humans came to have language and culture and religion um cool yeah cool (laughs) it's it's pretty cool and it's hard to say i mean the question of like trying to make sense of how humans 
started to have language is like good luck answering that question and And he'll point to you know cave drawings and you know uh, hieroglyphics and all these things and like that looks kind of like a mushroom there so yeah there's a chance that that looks phallic it's definitely a mushroom have you ever been on ancient aliens the (laughs) discovery channel show it's my husband's favorite show is it that's awesome ancient aliens uh it's funny, uh, I there was the piece of, about you saying, like, if I were to do a, da- like, a statistic about the people in modern, quote-unquote, quote modern society who are aware of such a thing as psychedelic drugs and how it can change people, and, this, and the amount of that set of people that actually do them, like, I, I would wager that there are less people that actually do them knowing that there's this opportunity to expand your mind because there's like so so many unknowns about what it's going to specifically do to you Mm. and i i was thinking about that potential statistic about like how many people know what it could do and don't do it and i it seems like there's probably quite a lot of ignorance is bliss people walking around like who don't need to see the tree like i don't need to see the tree i am okay or like i'm not really okay in this world with with what i have now like it's a little too much for me already and so like going in a step further is very scary that is very interesting Dwayne, i mean do people have some sort of rep- responsibility to see the tree as we were saying i don't know i'm i'm kind of torn on that one like it is sometimes a dice roll and it can also be one of the most uh important experiences of one's life at the same time yeah maggie i really like the the thing you're saying there about the question of do you want to open that rabbit hole do you want to open that door is it worth the risk of trying to see the tree so to speak i don't think people have an obligation to i mean you gotta fucking pay rent and feed yourself are the things you kind of have an obligation to do and beyond that i think like try to treat people not shitty for sure and like (laughs) i don't think that the question i guess of like what you're turning towards i mean you could ask the same question when people are turning towards church as when people are turning towards drugs like are you looking for for comfort are you looking for community Mm. are you looking to not be alone are you looking for understanding like what is the the nature of the search that you are after like why are you turning towards what you're turning towards and that's a profound question if the answer is i'm looking for understanding of the nature of this consciousness that i live within and move as or whatever sorts of verbs you want to use to describe your relationship with consciousness i think that drugs are kind of the best maybe not the best but it's hard to find a better tool for probing at the question of like what the hell is going on with this whole universe understanding itself and perceiving itself and would you say that's your motivation as you certainly as like a a youngster i think when i was like first discovered mushrooms and then was excited about drugs over those first few years of psychedelia it was absolutely that was like the word psychonaut is one that i'm really fond of Hmm. and i absolutely think that especially in those years i was a psychonaut and in more recent years i 
have made a bunch of friends who are psychonauts or were psychonauts and there's a degree of like it's like fun and it's play and it's like a way to connect and it's like a way to make I think it makes for much more interesting and meaningful connections than alcohol and I think there's like gonna be some intoxicants around because humans like changing their consciousness in some form or another and so I think for me a lot of my relationship with drugs over the past few years has been like I don't like alcohol centric spaces and I do like intoxicant spaces and so I've got to I've got to know this answer to this question sure from both of you I'm ready lovely friends I was gonna call you gentlemen but that's presumptive (laughs) Um, I'm not gentle you made the comparison to church and uh, like I'm having a really hard time not connecting the two like all all along your thread of thought because okay so here's my question do you when you are in a group of people who you know have or are have been or are psychonauts Mm -hmm. do you feel like you relate to them in a very different way than you relate to other people like and do you have that sense of kind of judgment of people who are like Mm. who don't understand or like don't know what that's about because I know that that's very present in the evangelical church at least. Hmm. And I think in some ways, whenever you feel like you have a grain of truth that you can hold on to that you you're like, this is another part of reality that I have grasped and I can hold on to. It's tangible. It's hard to look at people around you and not be like either grieve for them that they don't have to get to have that experience or haven't had that experience or feel like you don't get it. Like you're out, you're out of the loop. So you're describing like if in the church context, a seasoned evangelical, you know, looking at a brand new Christian or non-Christian yeah. and saying like, well, like I, in a, in the context of like a worship service, I have definitely had the thoughts like a, a music, like high emotion um, worship service where there's, good music playing and you get like lifted to a certain space i've been like i've been sitting in the back of a sanctuary for something like that and watched other people raising their hands and like having having i assume they think is some sort of experience and i have gotten really judgmental in that space and been like you're not you're not you're not getting it like you're just pretending and i wonder if or just naive yeah or or, or, it might be real but just like yeah. there's a lot more to it than yeah or you maybe you're just is. hyped up by like all these people around you who are doing it like who's actually experiencing it who's not and so my brain does this very judgmental like separate like there are others like there's an other there's we're not all experiencing the same thing and there are people who are getting like a better experience or whatever anyway so i'm curious if when you are around other people who have had similar experiences to you, drug experiences, if there's a sense of like, oh, I'm with my people, like these people really get it, they understand me, or if it's all super subjective. Good question. Yeah, I like that question. I think that there's certainly, I mean, humans are going to judge and categorize and otherize typically, and there's all sorts of different ways that we'll do that. I, I can certainly think about subcultures in which there's like 
there's people in spaces that are doing one drug and the people in the same space doing another drug and there ends up being sort of well, I don't really want to hang out with the people that are on coke right now because they're <laughs> kind of fucking annoying. Um, and whippets are another one that yeah. are often looked down on. Yeah, even though I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but like sitting here with me, knowing that I've never done psychedelics, is there part of you that wants to evangelize to me and be like, no. "Let me tell you what's good about There's... this. Like, let me tell you why you would enjoy this experience." Like. I think early on, maybe before I had bad trips, and I just assumed everyone would have the profound experiences that I was having. I think maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I think I've matured a little bit. Is it hard to like walk through the non, like in a non psychedelic state, just like walk through the world and be, not be like, you guys don't get it. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit of the, I mean, you, you'll see, I don't want to disparage hippies or there's like a certain type of person who's checked out kind of from, yeah. I wouldn't say reality, but just like, and there's something super free about them, certainly. And, you know, they're living their best life and not worried about <laughs> you know social structures or right. anything else i don't know i mean yeah that could maybe happen to some people uh, i think more over time i've integrated these experiences to a point where like i do a lot of meditation and i actually get to something of a psychedelic state on most days of my life and it might not be so in your face but it's like I'm having an experience that I think is not the the normal banal baseline and I'm having a deeper appreciation of the universe and of consciousness. It, it's it's not so black and white for me these days. It's I feel like th that's just a really a much I'm listening to you guys talk about this and I'm thinking this is better than religion because <laughs> there's no in or out like in unless Dwayne you feel differently that there is like you do have an experience of like I feel sort of judgmental toward people who have who like know that this is available and have every opportunity and choose not to do it for whatever reason in the same way that like Christians might be like you know that Jesus is there and if you don't choose him like you're out and I I'm now judgmental of you right like yeah, I don't think that I... I'm sure there's people who are going to feel very judgmental about, like, oh, everybody should do this. But I I feel curious to kind of ask if you want to share if there's some, like, reasoning or experiences that you have that drive you towards that clarity on not wanting to do it. But I don't really... I think that there's all sorts of valid reasons to not. Tons of people grew up with parents that were addicts and alcoholics. And for those people to decide like, no, I'm like totally disgusted by the idea of it. Yeah. It's like, that's totally valid. And that's not the only reason that one could come to a totally reasonable. I think that there could be some answers to that question that would make me want to sort of like poke at you a little bit more potentially, um, yeah. especially depending on the nature of our relationship. And um, But I don't think that there's at least from me, any sort of like expectation that people should have done or should do drugs. Right. Or that their life would necessarily be better or more enriched or whatever if if they had or if they did. 
I just feel like it's a much more pure way to access truth because it doesn't, it sounds to me from what I'm hearing from both of you is that it doesn't include a lot of judgment about better or hierarchy or like, I know more than you, or I've seen more than you, or I know that I feel like there's some of that though. Like people are like, I'm doing ayahuasca for the first time and you know, I'm like, oh, well, I've done it six times, and I know about this. I mean, maybe you can't. You're just a dick. Yeah, uh, fair. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, there's, there's always going to be some judgment, and you know, church or religion or whatever can provide lots of other things. Like, I think there might be a clearer sense of belonging. Yeah. Which is arguably like one of the things we as humans need most. Yeah. And and ritual, and there's a structure to it that. Is a double-edged sword, yeah. You know, and that structure can be really comforting and grounding in a way that doing drugs with your drug friends <laughs> like isn't always. Yeah, I just like the idea that I can listen to you guys talk about experiences that you've had and feel like I know that it's real. Like I don't, I don't necessarily need to experience that to know that it's real and that there is something that I can access beyond my day-to-day consciousness yeah like that's cool for me that's enough of an experience i feel like for today right <laughs> like i don't i don't feel the immediate need to like go do mushrooms right now yeah. because of what you're talking about but like i also feel like wow how cool is it that that is accessible and and there's nobody saying like and if you don't access it you live in eternal damnation, yeah. right? right? Like, <laughs> yeah, Nick. I think the thing that you said about belonging, doing drugs doesn't necessarily. I mean, it gives you a pretty great sense of belonging while you're on the drugs at the party or whatever. Yeah. And depending on your relationship with the, like, certainly some substances can give you a like long term or indefinite connection with the universe as a whole. And also I would say that like particularly doing MDMA with people can form some ridiculously strong lasting connections. Mm-hmm. But a sense of like commitment or like belonging or trust building. S- yeah, like genuine Is, like, it, is that what where the festival and, circuit came from so that there was some structure around doing these drugs, I don't think there's the that intention. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for some people yeah, like you know, isn't Burning Man kind of like drug church? That's an interesting way to put it. No, um, <laughs> <Okay>. I mean <laughs> to put it shortly, no. But you could put it that. I mean, Burning Man. I think for some people, Burning like, Man's whatever you want it, it is to be. A, um, but you a, can build community. A thing there. people go to for you know some sort of spiritual, maybe right. not awakening, but at least like tapping in to something very specific and community, right? Like you're yeah. in a community around other people Again, who are also be, doing that. But it, I mean, it can also be a superficial community at mm-hmm. some points. And, okay. you know, do you like and, the people you're camped with right. in your immediate and area? And, there's also like Narcotics Anonymous meetings and Alcoholics right. Anonymous meetings. And <laughs> yeah. it's like hard to call it drug I was sober probably. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, that's not drug church. Uh, sober like the first three years I went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did zero. And it was still incredible. Amazing. I have a question for you, Dwayne. Okay. Are drugs... Are drugs a spiritual experience for you? Where does spirituality intersect with these experiences? Yeah, I would definitely say that drugs are a spiritual experience for me. I That's a broad question. There's a lot that I could say about it, I guess. I 
guess certainly I like thinking about animism. Um, I like thinking about and the can question. Can you define of, animism? Yeah. Define the, that term. Dee, 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 dee. It, that's a nice. Is that a consistent gag? Or, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I think of animism as the idea that more than just humans or maybe humans and animals have a sense of spirit um, with a whatever definition of spirit you want to use does anybody want to add to that term and i think consciousness could exist everywhere like it might be something of a free-floating thing in the universe kind of like gravity i think about it like a blanket that's over all of us yeah And, and it's certainly concentrated more in certain living creatures but there might be a piece of it in everything yeah so I, th- I think that drugs certainly turn the dial up on my sense of animism in the universe, the sense that I could look at something and perceive it as having an experience of its own rather than just being an object as part of my universe mm. feels very real. So that, I think, definitely feels spiritual. But I think more broadly than that, I guess, I think the idea of being able to understand that other that that brains can work differently that minds can work differently that the way that i perceive things isn't the way that everyone perceives things that like that sound that sounds really nice to me might sound really awful to other people feels to me like a really important spiritual understanding Mm -hmm. just like that we don't all have exactly the same spirit whatever that means so i think of drugs as broadening that sense of I have more understanding of trauma and anxiety and fight and flight and all these different ways that minds work not just based on my own sober experiences but also based on my non-sober experiences so how would you describe like do you have a, a category or identity of spirituality that you ascribe to I mean, animist, would you even say that? Second I don't... That. Yeah, I... I like Buddhism a lot. I don't describe myself as a Buddhist. I'm pretty agnostic to the, like, the whole conversation about God as a th- an idea. But the question of, like, nature of mind and how atoms bouncing around can come to be perceiving systems of some sort... I don't know i'm like a somewhere between buddhist and mathematician is my like <laughs> spiritual <laughs> is math spiritual for you yeah that's awesome yeah i can you describe that a little bit i would love to say a little bit about that i think the way that the mathematicians use the word let is the fucking coolest thing I, how much should i be swearing Define is that it, oh my god is swear it, as much is as great one. okay <laughs> this is so, a bad podcast the, the word let <laughs> mathematicians use it i think in the genesis sense of the word let there be light is mm. more or less like as a mathematician i could say like let L be a wave and let it have these properties and I can just sort of use the word let and define some property with some characteristics and then I get to deal with like oh shit I just gave that these properties and now 
if it has those properties, then it follows, then it is also going to have these properties. And so it's so almost like you're world building. I'm very much uh, world in building. In an abstract, hypothetical a, way. Yeah. yeah, and it's cool because the world has exactly and only the details that you gave it, except that sometimes those details are more complicated than you initially realized. And so if there's something you don't like about your universe, like... I, it's annoying that if I keep counting, I never get back to where I started. Then you can say like, well, let K be a counting system where if you go one plus one plus one plus one, you get back to zero. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool. And now, and now that's that's an arithmetic real. system. And <laughs> like two and three and four make sense there. And you could ask whether five makes sense. And I am obsessed with everything you're saying. <laughs> I want to paint a picture (laughs) there's some real good pictures that have been painted about it uh, but i would love to see yours i mean i keep i keep thinking of fibonacci Uh and the like the the spiral the natural spiral that ends up everywhere yeah Yeah. that's that's some cool math shit that's some cool math (laughs) have you had mathematical insights while on drugs yeah or or has math informed your experiences on drugs? Definitely yes to both. I The mathematical insights one is maybe a little bit harder for me to specifically point to an example of, although I'm sure that I could. The, the math driving my experience with drugs is like for sure definitely a lot of the visual experience that I have when I close my eyelids is stuff that I can name. Um, there's like times when I close my eyes and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm seeing like that fractal that I was thinking about and that like, uh, so the psychedelia and like minds create fractals if you let them because fractals are born from simple rules that get repeated and most of what brains are doing is simple rules that are getting repeated and so there's like fractals come up and the idea of In math, I have spent a decent amount of time thinking about this idea of what happens if you take some simple rules and then run them over and over and over again. And so the connection between closed eye visuals and, I don't know, space filling curves and things like that are... So now I'm curious, (laughs) if, if math is not something that you have, like, engaged with a lot in your life, but you have in another way is... For me, music is music. Would music inform my drug experience in the same way? And then I started thinking about how an etude is basically just a fractal, a musical fractal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Everything's just repeating. Yeah, so I think that if you were to like listen to an etude on, say, acid, that like fractalness of it might make it self more apparent to you than it might have before you might sort of hear like oh yeah i i get it bach like i see before i like knew intellectually that this piece was like i took this theme and played it with itself backwards or whatever sorts of bach tricks you like to do but now with the acid in my system i can actually like hear what before I just intellectually understood. Yeah, I think a lot of psychedelics for me heighten my sensory perceptions. And so like I might, you know, I perfume and so I might smell nuances that I might not have otherwise or make connections. Like a lot of times, like why it's often fun to listen to music while you're tripping. It's like whether the artist intended it or not, you can be like, 
that note landed perfectly yeah. with the context of everything that came yes. before it and what's about to come next. And it's just you're you're blown away in a way that you're often not that just I don't think too sober. I don't think there's anything that touches as close in this consciousness, the non drug induced consciousness to spirituality than that mm. like that note hit perfectly mm-hmm. or that fractal makes sense to me or whatever like that's like it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah that the feeling of everything fitting together in a way that was beyond any expectation you had yeah that's like peak experience yeah. no matter where that comes from like i've had that in religious experiences totally. and yeah. i've had that uh playing music and and yeah. certainly with drugs and maybe probably m- mostly during drug situations does things not fitting the right way feel yuckier after you've experienced drugs oh i was thinking you were going to ask when you're on drugs or when you're on drugs yes yeah like (laughs) so it's really like it's not always like those are the good drug experiences right and when it's just like this is this is the the high i chase yeah you know but certainly that's not always the norm like if you heard a note that like really scratched against another note or if you like saw some number structure that did not make a nice would it irritate you or like make your experience worse yeah i a lot of my friends know that i will often have oranges around when psychedelics are happening and that is in some sense like an insurance policy against the thing that you're describing right now because Uh, you can peel it because it's like a it's just it's a really clear if the what's happening isn't going well i have like all the senses are here uh, the sound okay. not so much i but guess the smell but the, and the, the smell and the touch and the taste and the and i will often actually more than eating the orange i'm usually excited about the smell more than the taste mm. and i will often have an orange peel in my pocket for yeah. like if somebody's smoking a cigarette nearby and i want to like oh my god i can't deal with that smell i like will carry my own sensory insurance policies of like i have a way to get out of this Um, and that's why i think the like fuzzy things are associated with psychedelics a lot i think a lot of that is that it gives you if it gives you a way to move into like touch as a sensory experience as um and get out of your head so yeah shifting from that's one of the most important i think plays in the the drug friends playbook is you're having a bad experience let me introduce a new sensory experience to like give you a way to like stop thinking about that aspect of your experience and start paying attention to this aspect of your experience it reminds me of the the spinning top in the movie inception like Uh, this is your like talisman to get to make sure that you're in reality Mm -hmm. or yeah that you're yeah, a lot okay. of times on uh, mushrooms, I just want to lay down. Mm-hmm. I get like real tired for some reason, and I just want to lay down. And if I'm spinning out, it's like I I gotta get up, no matter how excruciating that feels or how impossible it seems. Like that is, and just like walk mm-hmm. or just don't like yeah, I gotta change the setting. Yeah, somehow I love the orange idea. That sounds pretty yeah. brilliant. It works. 
you know, whether it's an orange or something else, but having your clear kind of uh, yeah. exit strategy, not exit strategy, but like, you know, escape safety, safety degree, net or yeah. something. Yeah. I would imagine rosemary, like a little sprig of rosemary mm-hmm. would be good for that too. Cause that's a, a you can mm-hmm. like constantly get the oil out of it. Dwayne. Dwayne. That's me. Dwayne. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> What's your, I, I'm curious because you brought up church. Uh-huh. I'm curious what your your history is with like organized religion. I've had a bar mitzvah. Yes. Uh, do you do you like relate to Judaism as, at all, or do you feel like it's part of your identity or your ethnicity? Or it's certainly part of my identity in some way. I think maybe Israeli is as much part of my identity as. Jewish. I'm an Israeli citizen. My dad was born in Israel and his parents and their parents and I think like four generations before that were born in that place, which is sort of wild. I don't really know exactly what it was like in that time. Have you uh, been? I've been a few times. Did you go to birthright? I went on birthright. Yeah, I don't particularly... Did you do drugs on birthright? A little bit. Cool. Um, just hash, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I was pretty into Judaism until like halfway through college, I guess. And by pretty into Judaism, I mean like socially and community wise, not so much from a like rules or beliefs perspective. Yeah. I don't have particularly strong opinions about organized religion or I found myself I guess I found my Jewish community in university to be a little bit insular and I Hmm. wanted to hang out with more people who weren't Jewish and that meant sort of like hanging out with less people who were Jewish maybe, I guess. I don't know exactly how to describe my drift away from religion. It sounds like you just met other people. Yeah. Not based on the the, the necessity of being Jewish. Yeah, I think that there's some... I could probably tease out some more complicated feelings about my my feelings about like American Judaism. I think the 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 connection between American Judaism and Israeli politics is mm. not my favorite. So, I think that some degree of like political feelings drove me away from the religious community maybe mm. to some degree. You want to try to make a list of all the drugs I've done? Yes. What drugs have you done? Oh, boy. All of them. I mean, a decent number. What's your favorite? That's good. In order of preference. Yeah. In order of preference. Um, I think that acid is really uh, fantastic. Acid and ketamine and mushrooms, I think, are at the top of the list for me. Although mushrooms, I am very intimidated by at Mm. this phase. Yeah, I get that's a little... MDMA and MDA and 2CB and 2CE and what would what are two two what are the street names for the 2C ones? The 2C ones don't really have very I many street names. Um, just what they're called. They're in the MDMA family. Okay. And usually it's just like one of the atoms of the molecule might be shifted, or don't they have like a similar base structure? Yeah. So there's atomically. 2CE and 2CB and 2CI and there's a handful of others and yeah they just have I think one 
I think it's just one atom replaced, maybe. Or I guess it's one group. Like, it's a... 2CB has a bromide group where 2CI has a... I don't know the chemistry well enough, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Those are ones that they feel to me a little bit more in the category of shiny, but not super spiritually enlightening. I think they're wonderful and they're quite interesting from like mind perspective. But in terms of the ones that I think are like have the most to offer to learn about yourself or the nature of consciousness, I think MDMA, mushrooms, ketamine and acid are a really solid combination. And I do kind of think that everybody should do a whip it while on acid. Um, I'm not judgy about encouraging people to do drugs, but if you're interested in drugs at all, I think that doing a whip it while on acid is a really, really good idea. Okay. <laughs> I've never it's, done that. Maybe I should. It's really, yeah. What? Why? It sounds like a layering process, like you're layering something on top of something. That yeah. I mean, and... Oh, I don't know. I think that whippets aren't that interesting by themselves. I think that whippets are a really good activator for other psychedelics. And I think they're okay by themselves. I think that they're sort of like, I think... Whippets is nitrous, right? Whippets is nitrous, yeah. The way that they play with acid is really just kind of incredible. I think the family of acid and ketamine and MDMA and nitrous play really well together. Will you describe briefly a an experience of acid the and two together yeah a friend once said to me about those two drugs he said whippets and acid are like penis and vagina they're, they're, <laughs> they're great on their own but when you mash them together <laughs> whippets tend to be described as a pretty really short experience like a 30 second or so experience and I think that the initial effects of a whippet are like that, but there is this sort of afterglow that when you are sober, otherwise the afterglow just becomes kind of not necessarily unnoticeable, but like it doesn't feel significant. It's like you had this intense whippet thing and then it just feels like, oh, part of the integrating back to normal is that there's this lingering and when there's acid involved, that's just not true. Um, it lasts. Yeah. And the the way that I think I most often have mixed acid and whippets is when it starts to feel like the acid is going away, um, just a couple of whippets will often bring it back to a level that's like, oh, I like thought I was basically done with the acid, but there's a lot there's more, more to here. Have. Yeah. So it's sort of... It reactivates the visual experience of the acid, I guess, mm. is the short of it. And it does so in a way that is, I guess, the visual experience of acid isn't connected to your breath normally. Mm. And whippets are very much connected to your breath. And maybe part of why the combination is so magical is that the the breath connection really sort of like makes it feel like it's part of your spirit maybe mm. it sort of connects the the visual experience to the the just cyclic the bo- in the and out of yeah embodiment it, it brings it yeah i guess it embodies the visual cool. a little bit more yeah that's really cool yeah i'm sure there's i've done some pcp analogs i guess there's another bunch of drugs that i'm not thinking of right now dmt yeah dmt i didn't mention i suppose I've heroin done 
I have not done heroin. How do you, where is DMT fall on your preference list? Oh boy. What we is We could DMT? do a whole podcast about DMT. It is another uh, psychedelic. Okay. It is one of the active ingredients in ayahuasca. Okay. But a very, it's an adjacent experience that will probably last 10 minutes or 15 minutes Versus as opposed to many hours uh yeah like six or so hours uh, for ayahuasca i love dmt i haven't touched it in the past few years because it told me to go home Eek. uh yeah uh <laughs> she told me to go home i don't know i don't know exactly the animus and, and where's is. home uh, not in DMT land, apparently. The, 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 the message that I so received. So it might not have been geographical. No, no, it was and not. And not like it die. It was not go back to a place. It was just like, why are you fucking here again? Like, you were just here. Uh, like, are you trying to get anything from here? Or are you just, like, here because you don't have anywhere else to be? It was sort of the... Mm. Uh, and I have heard this from another friend who's like, oh, yeah, DMT is, like it activates my judginess about my own drug use so loudly. <laughs> He's like, I don't like it. Don't they talk about DMT fairies or something like that? Yeah, like there's, elves are often. Yeah, elves. The, yeah, and I guess this was maybe the, like, clo- I didn't feel like I met anyone on that trip, but I felt very clearly like I was being pranked by a sentient being that didn't want me <laughs> to be where I was. Um <laughs> That's and, awesome and scary yeah. and lots of different things. Yes. Have yes. you have you ever met like a a being? I never have. And I mean I've certainly gotten messages that I felt like were downloaded maybe from the ether, but uh I've had friends, lots of friends talk about like especially in ayahuasca and some of these other like DMT like there was a entity there and we were having a conversation about things. Yeah, I haven't had that. The closest that I've had is this one that I'm describing now. And it was, yeah, it felt like I was getting pranked, but it was, there was no one to, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm the one that's pranking you. It was just like. Okay, so in your not high brain right now, uh-huh. in this moment. Uh-huh. Are you high right now? Do you believe <laughs> that that was a manifestation of your own consciousness or was a separate consciousness like right now do you believe that when that happened that that is another consciousness that lives outside of yourself did it come from without or with from within yeah no i think it's i mean i think it's all from within i even at that time i don't like at no point in this process do i feel like i this was the time that most seriously made me question the my constant working assumption that all of my drug experiences are just manifested from and all of my general experiences are like i think that my mind is capable of a lot and i think i poke it in hard ways and it does weird things and that's what i think happened in this circumstance too but this was one experience where you're like but yeah (laughs) this was a a she voice that felt like it was (laughs) yeah making fun of me a little bit a little bit more yeah, it felt like it more separate from myself than I was comfortable with. <laughs> Do you tend to interpret people's religious experiences where it's like, I heard the voice of God in a similar manner? I'm I'm catching a parallel for myself thinking like, you know what, maybe the Christian God, like on an individual basis, like is that person's hopes and fears and dreams like 
re- reflected back mm-hmm. onto themselves and they are sort of displaying the hope they want yeah. in the world. The and most, that can be very real. And I'm not like trying to no, discount and, God at all. But like but, at the very least, that means that there's a mirror, right? Like there's something yeah. that it's bouncing off mm. of, like external. That's like, because if it's a reflection of that, there's something that it's bouncing well, off of. Well, I mean, of. that doesn't think it starts getting tricky talking about the internality and externality of things. I tend to personally suspect that things are mostly internal mm-hmm. that I'm experiencing. And it could just be the the stories I have hidden away deep in my subconscious are bubbling up to my consciousness in a way that I can't identify as being from myself. Yeah. Well, there's the internal and the external. And then, Dwayne, you said something earlier about how MDMA can make you feel really connected or feel like you're a part of everything and everything is a part of itself. But it also shows like this person doesn't like this sound and this person like it can differentiate and make you feel connected. So like separate and connect to me, it feels like a similar concept to internal and external. Like we're all part of one big thing or we're all separate things that are all just creating the world around us in our own insides. Mm-hmm. I'm and from a everything's internal <laughs> perspective, like that could be the internal harmony I have with myself and the internal discord I have with myself. Yeah. You know, like my feeling about the flowers outside is coming from me. That red that I see in the tulip, like that red isn't out in the world. That red does not exist outside of my head. That's in your brain. Experiencing that red. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) See, I I don't need drugs. You just just, like made me trip. (laughs) There's not, I don't see anything red out there. (laughs) Um, There's some red tulips. You might be too low in the couch. I see them now. (laughs) Uh, Maggie sunk into the couch. Sunk in. She's like super cash about this interview right now. Most comfy podcast. (laughs) Dwayne and I are here like very proper business-like at the table sitting. Maggie's like wearing our suits. I'm at the table. (laughs) I'm smoking a cigarette in my boxers right now. (laughs) Sorry. Unprofesh. Unprofesh. Uh, I don't know, Dwayne, what are some takeaways or... Uh, encouragements or things we should try well I already said the acid and whippets one that's one that everybody should try even if <laughs> even if somebody has no experience with no it's drugs. not I don't advise that it's, as a first as a, a, as a starting it's place I, level hard it's hard mode it, yeah it's it's something uh, <laughs> I, yeah I don't recommend that as your first drug experience but if you're what takeaways um, again yeah disclaimer Drugs are illegal in most places, so take that into make account. A make a choice. Very official disclaimer. Uh, how? Do, what would you recommend just for the exploration of consciousness, whether that has to do with drugs or not? I think Sam Harris's podcast is really I or love. his uh, waking up app. I spend so much time. I've listened to like every talk on there, and I don't I know anything it. about it. I can't uh, wait. It's a meditation app that also has tons of talks it's mostly buddhist yeah but comes from all different and i mean he's self-described as like an atheist Mm -hmm. uh but it's certainly i mean he's spent 
decades i think he did like a 10-year retreat maybe not 10-year retreat he did a one-year retreat at the very least uh for like sitting meditating in a monastery or something and it's just he goes way back with it's, all the what is the app called people. waking up waking i'm up. not describing this one. <laughs> yeah i i <laughs> he like did it a thing and then he has a lot he, he's a he's a a, a well-known thinker and podcaster and uh does lots of public debates and on the side like he also happens to have a shit ton of experience in eastern mysticism yeah and is very knowledgeable about it all and has cool. very interesting conversations cool. about it yeah i most meditation apps i find to just kind of overemphasize the this is going to help you relax and it's like that's mm. cool if that's what you're after but i'm more interested in meditation from a consciousness exploration perspective mm-hmm. and i think sam harris's app is the only one that i've seen that's like cool really is guided meditation with consciousness as the focus so um, i'm interested in that yeah i recommend it and i think that it's expensive now. It's like $15 a month, which it's, I think feels... it was, I just got it for my sister. Maybe it was 70, but also if you email them yeah. th- uh, that like you can't afford it, like no questions asked, they'll just give it to you for free. That was what I was going to say is that they're good about giving it to you for free. Cool. But so I think like they want to make it accessible. Yeah. To people. Uh, um, Nick, uh, Nick lives nearby lots of small children and I keep thinking that they're my children running around in the road yes so in addition to me being the most casual and lazy podcaster i'm also distracted by this you're on edge as a mother i i would also recommend there's a book called the mind's eye by douglas hofstadter and daniel dennett that's a collection of essays that it's mind's eye spelled the letter i rather Mm -hmm. than e-y-e and it's about the way that minds construct this symbol for themselves and this sort of self-reference that's inherent in the word I and Mm. it includes a lot of the quote-unquote most important ideas in philosophy of mind so I feel like if you were going to write a book it would be called let I wow there you go let I equal just let I and then and then ellipses Hmm. wow that's not bad (laughs) trademark 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 trademark. i own that (laughs) you have to buy it from me i have to buy it from you okay (laughs) thanks man thank you this has been really fun great conversation podcast i have thought about so much more about consciousness than i think i probably ever have there you go It's it's a deep well yeah to explore I'm diving in. I'm going deep <laughs> in over my head. I want to be. <laughs> what song is that? That's a Christian song. <laughs> it is. It's like, I know that one. It's a Christian song. Uh, yeah. And thank you to our listeners. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Uh, it means a lot. Go go have a conversation about some of this stuff you heard. Ask some good probing questions. Yeah. And then tell us about those questions conversations that you're having oh yeah uh you can email us if you have questions it is switcheroo podcast at gmail.com yeah and we're also the switcheroo podcast on instagram so start a conversation in those in those comments and we'll talk back at you (laughs) lovely fuck my ass (laughs) (laughs) that that kissing sound was (laughs) Dwayne. right Right. Cool. Cool, cool, the, cool. The, way, the way we giggle after every time we say Dwayne <laughs> is awesome. Astute listeners will realize. <laughs> you maybe should have chosen a less hilarious name. 
No it's offense like, to any Dwayne's out there. It's a good one. But it's a pretty dope name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be straight. Oh, this has been Switcheroo. Yeah. Take care. Signing off. Peace. And goodbye. And, and goodbye. Forever. I was sitting in the backyard sipping on a minty drink. I saw a girl standing there. She was mowing the lawn. Hey. I said, Hey, Zazik, who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl. What's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone?